0: I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Nerdwallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. You know I'm a big fan of enjoying life while still being smart financially. That's why I love ButcherBox. I can get a variety of high-quality meat, seafood, chicken, and pork at an amazing value, all with exclusive member deals delivered to my door with free shipping always. One thing I just never wanted to cut out of my spending plan is eating good food. And with ButcherBox, I don't have to, and neither do you. Where else can you get free protein for a whole year? Yes, you heard that right. One of my favorite go-to dinners is a salmon bowl. I'm not even a huge salmon lover, but ButcherBox's wild-caught salmon is oh so good. I make a nice little marinade, sauté some veggies, cook the salmon, and throw in some weiss. and it is an amazing dinner. If you want to take less trips to the grocery store and always have prepared meat in the freezer for a lot less money, you need ButcherBox in your life. Sign up at butcherbox.com/etm. And get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. You can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com ETM. So what is unbiased? As our guest Stacy Gordon brilliantly says, dismantling unhealthy workplaces involves so much more than just talking about it. It requires action. Uncovering unconscious bias at work and in your life, because let's be honest, it can show up anywhere, really helps you understand concepts of diversity, equity, and inclusion, and just creates an environment where you can truly thrive.
1: You're listening to Millennial Money with award winning money expert and serial entrepreneur, Shauna Come to Game, where we flip the script on the old school approach to everything your parents never taught you about money.
0: Welcome, welcome back to the show. I am so glad to have you here for this episode. Stacey Gordon, she's gonna blow your mind. <laughs> she is the CEO of a company called Rework Work, that's a tongue twister, and author of the new book, Unbiased, which will transform your thinking about what it means to have bias, how it shows up in your work and home life, and why it ultimately can have an impact on your bank account. I have to tell you a little backstory now. Stacey and I have been friends for quite a long time. We got our MBAs together at the same time, and at one time, we did actually have a small real estate business together. So we go back a little bit, but when she came out with her new book, bias, I just knew we needed to have a conversation about it on this show. This is one of those episodes you're going to listen to and pass along to friends and my goal is that we can all work together to really create a society of true unbiased so we can all be financially prosperous. So I'm so excited to bring this episode to you. I'm Shauna Compton-Game, and this is Millennial Money. Well, Stacy, I am so elated to have you on the show. Uh, Listeners don't know this, but we go way back to getting our MBAs. We share a love for entrepreneurship. Our birthdays are in the same month. So, I mean, it's basically like we're sisters, right?
2: Yes, yes, yes. We always (laughs) used to joke, right? Like, sisters, you know, from another mother or whatever.
0: (laughs) 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 Yeah. I mean, do you even remember those MBA days? I get asked a lot of questions on the show about, is an MBA worth it? And I mean, you were definitely <laughs> one of the reasons, yes, because I gained a really good friend and I did learn some things. And in other ways, I'm like, wow, I spent a lot of money on MBA. And I kind of yeah. scratched my head sometimes to go, were those three letters really worth it?
2: Right, right. I think that's a really good question. Um, I always tell people, yeah, the connection is what's really worth it. And so, if you go through your MBA program and don't come out of it with like the name, the phone number, and email address of every single person that you went into class with, you have you've messed up. You didn't do it right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's you're paying for like a giant social experience. It's just like going to college, except you're paying more and you're a little bit older. And hopefully you get something career wise out of it. Uh, but yeah, it's a really interesting to to give people advice about it because it's I'm so in the middle about it that it's 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 hard to say for sure exactly. Yeah,
2: I always <laughs> tell people they they you know what what's your reason you know, and then yeah. I can kind of give some thoughts about that.
0: <laughs> exactly right. Well, I mean, since then, since the MBA, you have become this incredible business owner. You're author of this new book that we're going to spend a lot of time talking about called Unbiased. And you teach about diversity, inclusion, and equity in the workplace, which are three really important things. And I think although this episode may not feel like it ties into money at first glance, I really argue that it is. So whether you work at a company or you work for yourself, these topics I think are, are obviously in, it really in important in to your overall success, but but you're the expert in this space. So I'd love to hear from you. What role do you see diversity, inclusion, equity playing into our our financial success? Whether we just work for a company, we work for ourselves, or we own a business, or we own our own business, like how, how does this play into that?
2: It, you know, one of the things that I enjoy most about recruiting, right? So I used to be a recruiter. I'll back up a second and say, I used to be a recruiter. Um, now I do spend my, my time uh, focusing on diversity, equity, and inclusion strategies within companies. But starting off as a recruiter is where I really noticed um, the, the inequity in workplaces. And so yeah. the thing I enjoyed about, being, about recruiting was being able to help somebody obtain employment. And you might think, oh, you know, that's just ego. And it's like, no, a little bit, right? Like, oh, I can help someone to get a job. But it was about what you can do when you get a job, right? The difference that it makes. You can feed your family or you can't. You can keep a roof over your head or you can't. You can send your kids to college or you can't, right? Like A job, yeah. the the financial stability that having um, a job gives you is, is huge. And so I think that... Um, If I had to dig a little deeper and analyze why, it might be because, you know what, I have lived a life without money. Um, I've seen the difference that money makes in how people treat you and how you think about yourself. Um, And we all know what money can do for a person, right? Money gives you options. Money opens doors, provides opportunities, affords you the benefit of the doubt, right? Money gives you a lot of things. Um, And so what we see is that I think for me, the, really the, the critical point was when I was recruiting, I had a gentleman that I was working with who, um, it was a, a long story, but I'll make it short, basically was going for a sales job. It was a six-figure sales job, it was a really great job, and um, the CEO loved him and said, yep, we're ready to hire him. I'm going to send you an offer letter in the morning. I didn't get that offer letter. And it took me three weeks to get him the offer letter. And the reason why was because of the unconscious bias of the board of directors who stepped in at the last minute Mm -hmm. and messed the whole process up, right, and almost cost him a job. Um, And I had to work so much harder to get him that job. And when I thought about it, I was like, these individuals stepped in because they didn't see that this Black man deserved this job that was making this type of money and they couldn't wrap their heads around it. And they were poking holes. They had him jumping through hoops. They were looking for all the different reasons why he should not get this job. And I was not letting it go. I was like a dog with a (laughs) bone.
0: That's what I love about you. (laughs) Oh, Yeah. And I, I'm going to put you on the spot just a, a minute because I remember the story you told me and you and I have different skin color. Uh, You have a very different, obviously, experience in the world than I do. I mean, we both share a female experience, uh, but you share experience of being a black female, which I don't have that experience. And sometimes you have shared stories with me in different settings where it's not that it shocks me, because I understand that this exists, but it's it's to the point of thinking, how have we not evolved? You shared this story with me, I think a couple of years ago, I don't know if you recall it, but you said you were at like a conference, I think that your that your husband was at, and he's an attorney and you were, I believe like sitting out in the, the waiting area or whatever it might be for him to get out of a session. And somebody came up to you and just like completely dismissed you because A, you were a woman, be your African-American. And you had this moment, you're like, you know what? (laughs) I am smart. I am worthy of being here. And I just, you know, from my perspective, being a white female, you know, I can, I can easily see where the bias shows up. But I mean, is this something that for you, like in your own existence, that this is prevalent, like at least nine or nine and a half times out of 10?
2: Yeah. You know, it happens a lot. Right. And you you just learn to live with it. Um, it's just one of those things that you, you just, you just learn to live with it. It's like, it, it's it's going to happen. You expect it. Um, so almost so much so that when it doesn't happen, you're surprised, mm-hmm. you know, when someone it looks you in the face and says, Hey, I'd like to talk to you. You're like, wait me. Well, I'm sorry. Are you talking to me? <laughs> like, Oh, <laughs> that's different. Um, and, and so I think, it's unfortunate, but we have learned to navigate the world, um, in ways where we've just been taught to deal with the inequity. You know, as women, we learn to come into the workplace and not to shake things up, not to ask for too much, not to speak too much or too loud. Right. Um, those are things that we just start to do innately because we realize it's easier than, um, actually you know going for what we want um yeah. and uh, i mean this might take us off track a little bit but <laughs> i just know let's on let's netflix. go there let's go there uh, uh, i just watched on netflix and i'm gonna get the name of the darn movie or show wrong but it's like number four right now in netflix and it's this this woman who um it, it i can't remember the, the title of it but Everyone must have watched it because it's number four on Netflix. (laughs) And so (laughs) it's it's this woman who does, who's married and she's reflecting back on her experience with her ex and how that relationship was and something she said, and I get it, it's fake fiction, whatever. But one of the things she said was that we learn to make ourselves small, right. As women, um, and not to, not to get in the way. Right. And, and we've gotten used to, um, accepting less because it's just easier. And that really, I was like, I feel like it's true, right? For women, we have, we, it's easier sometimes to just say, oh, fine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's do it. All right. Um, and so it's the same with being a person of color. And then when you combine the two together, it really does get sticky because you're looking at the intersectionality of it all. Um, and so I think it is why uh, no matter what I was doing, right, I was working as a paralegal. I worked as a real, as a realtor. I worked in financial services. Um, I worked as a recruiter, but in every single aspect, I always was advocating for those who couldn't advocate for themselves. Cause I realized, you know what? I got put on this earth. I happen to have a pretty smart brain. I can figure some things out. <laughs> and <laughs> I've used that to help to advocate for others.
0: Yeah, I love that. And I've seen you do it so many times over. It's really inspiring. Tell me a little bit about what does this mean? What does unbiased really mean? Is there a way to, to realistically, hope the answer is yes, but realistically cultivate this?
2: Yeah, I think for, so for me, unbiased, it's about interrupting bias. It's about being aware that unconscious bias exists. Um, And I remember this this man like wrote. I I get all these emails, right? I'm sure you do too. I get all these emails from people, and you know they'll tell me how great what I'm doing is, and then they'll also tell me how stupid I am. You know. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I've gotten a
0: few of those.
2: (laughs) Yeah, and some people will manage to do both in the same uh, email, and you're just like you're almost sort of have some admiration for like, wow. How did you manage to make me feel both stupid and smart in this? it's a talent i
0: guess yes
2: oh my goodness but this guy he's like well you know he doesn't believe in unconscious bias and he goes on to write this long missive which i pretty pretty much i mean i skimmed at some point and then i was like why am i even reading this nonsense he started off by saying he doesn't believe in unconscious bias I'm like wait this is not the tooth fairy there's nothing to believe in. There is science. I can't have an intelligent conversation with somebody who wants to start off with something that unintelligent. So I think that we have to first understand this is rooted in science, right? This isn't Black people making up things to make white people feel bad, right? This is about all of us, Black, White, Indigenous, everyone, right, having unconscious bias and for me, unbiased is about being aware of those biases. Because I was very concerned about naming the book "Unbiased," because I thought, "Oh my goodness, are people going to think that I'm trying to say that you can, you can, you know, remove all bias? Because right. that's not the case, right? You really can't." Um, so what people have to do is take the time to identify where and when their biases show up for them, um, and they have to then act differently, right? So that the impact that they have is no longer negative um, and can be positive or at least neutral. So we're operating in the system that we are socialized to behave in and our impact is always gonna, is always ends up being skewed negative. It just is what happens.
0: Right, and I, I like that you talk about science because it is really rooted in science. and And like you're saying, like patterns and mindsets, it just kind of keeps uh you know getting passed down i guess generation to generation and it's at that moment where you have to actually make a conscious shift or change so how do you first recognize what biases is it is it biases 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 i don't know
2: bias, how do you know.
0: Yeah. how do I you recognize biases, biases? <laughs> how do you recognize what biases uh, you have in the first place?
2: You really got to be honest with yourself. Um, and this is this is the hard part, right? Like this is the part that people skip. It's so easy to see the bias in everybody else. You want to point the finger. Oh, look what that person did. Oh, look what this person said. Oh, look how they behaved, right? We're, it's so easy for us to identify it in other people. But when it comes to looking in the mirror, we all of a sudden have a blind spot. And we can't see how our own behavior shows up. Uh, but it happens all the time. There's a TED Talk uh, from um, Kristen Pressner, who at the time was like, I think, head of HR for um, Roche, like the... the yeah, um, okay. Skincare? Uh, yeah, the, uh, what do you call that? Yeah, pharmaceutical company. Yeah, okay, Yes. And, um, and she said, right, she's HR person, guy comes into her office and says, hey, you know, I, I want to talk to you about my compensation. I want to make sure I'm in alignment and that I'm being paid appropriately. And she's like, yeah, yeah, I'll look into that for you. A couple of days later, a woman comes into her office says practically the same thing. And she goes, eh, I think you're good. Right? Wow. So not until a few days after that, she's like reflecting on it. And she goes, wait, Man comes in, woman comes in. I have two different responses to these people. Why? Mm. So we have to, to see that and realize that we don't treat people the same. We will all say, Oh, of course, what are you talking about? I don't want to discriminate. I don't treat people differently. How dare you call me a racist? You're an awful person, right? We want to go down the defensive yeah. <laughs> route. But we really have to stop. And I get it. None of us wake up in the morning and say, my job today is to make sure that Shauna doesn't get ahead. Right? Like, that's not what we do. But it's what ends up happening. Because we refuse to pay attention to our actions. We refuse to identify our bias. And we refuse to do anything to mitigate it.
0: That's Q-U-I-N-C-E com slash ETM to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash ETM. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied, or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information The only way you get 20% off is to go to com slash ETM and enter code ETM at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash ETM. Go to com slash ETM and use code ETM for 20% off. Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top-rated personal finance app. And now, listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash etm for your extended 30-day free trial.
3: Hey, my name's Otis Gray, host of The Daily Book Club Tune into the Daily Book Club Discord and discuss the readings with other book club listeners. However you want to listen, it's your choice. Subscribe to the Daily Book Club on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere else. New episodes every single day. So sit back, relax, and get lost in the Daily Book Club. From the gas pump to the grocery store, your utility bills and favorite streaming services, inflation is everywhere. Seriously, make it stop. Thankfully, there's one company out there that's giving you a much needed break. It's Mint Mobile. As the first company to sell premium wireless service online only, Mint Mobile lets you order from home and save a ton with phone plans starting at just 15 bucks a month. During a time when every dollar makes a difference, Mint Mobile can help you save hundreds in phone bill charges throughout the year. By going online only and eliminating the traditional cost of retail, Mint Mobile passes significant savings on to you. All plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone number along with all your existing contacts. Switch to Mint Mobile and get premium wireless service starting at just 15 bucks a month. To get your new wireless plan and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com switch. That's mintmobile.com switch switch cut your wireless bill of 15 bucks a month at slash switch
0: it's Tuesday so we have another ask Shauna from Brandon Brandon says hi Shauna I love your podcast for budgeting what percentage do you recommend to go towards housing and what percentage do you recommend to go towards investing thank you so much well Brandon I like it you're my type of guy you're just Direct to the point, <laughs> which I love. Thank you so much for being a podcast listener. And this is a really great question because uh, there's lots of ways to think about this one. And unfortunately, there isn't an exact number because it really does uh, change depending on your own situation. But there are a couple of ways to think about this. There are a couple of those standard rules, if you were, or guidelines. You may have heard of the 50-20-30 budget split. This is something if you read articles, listen to other podcast episodes, you probably have heard about this, but it's just a guideline to help you figure out where your budget might be out of sorts and how you can kind of shape all of your expenses to fit in this. So the 50 stands for 50% of your take-home pay should go to your fixed expenses, and that is everything from housing to credit card minimum payments to your car payment, student loan payment, anything that you absolutely have to, absolutely have to pay in a month, 50% of your take-home pay. Then the next 20% of your take-home pay should be for savings. And that is everything from your emergency fund to investment savings, includes matching funds if you have a 401k with a company, And that's your travel savings, whatever, Christmas savings, whatever, should be lumped into that 20%. And then the last 30% of your take-home pay should be for all of those variable expenses, eating out, shopping, going to concerts, all of the things that you love to do but aren't necessarily necessities. And what you often find is that, or what I find, is that most people are heavy maybe 50, 60, maybe even 70% on the fixed. And then the rest is over on variable expenses. Or you might see it the other way where variable expenses is really high. But what we tend to leave out is that 20% of savings. And so this isn't, again, for you to have your budget in these exact proportions. So if you can only save 2% each month for savings or 5% or 1%, whatever it is, it's better than nothing. But this just gives you a little rule of thumb. And then there's another old standard rule that you should spend more, no more, I should say, than 30% of your gross income on housing. The rule is a bit outdated, but could serve as a guideline for you. Here are some ways that I just think it doesn't quite makes sense. Let's say you are a high income earner, maybe you make $250,000 a year. If you follow this rule, it would advise you spending around $6200 on rent or home ownership costs. That's 30%, but that might be way too high of a number considering other expenses that you have. It it also doesn't take into account your full money picture. Do you have debt? Do you have student loans? Alimony, child support? What about retirement savings? So you need to think really realistically about your situation and what makes sense, keeping in mind all of the other financial obligations and goals that you have as well. I like to try and keep housing closer to 20 to 25% and then leave room for investing, savings, and other money goals. Traveling, obviously not right now, but traveling is one of those goals that I always add into my budget. Plus, I like to build in what I call an oh shit percentage, if you will, excuse my French, into the budget each month because shit happens. (laughs) And I like to leave a a definitely some sort of padding in there above and beyond whatever I'm saving for emergency funds because stuff's going to happen just like this quarantine. Nobody saw this really coming, not to say that we're going to go through Something like this again? I don't know if you if you know if you have a crystal ball, please let me know. But stuff's going to happen, and so leaving a little extra padding in there. And I tend to just take that from from the housing budget budget and try to keep my housing budget as low as humanly possible. Of course, still I've got to live in a place, and I want to live in a place that I enjoy. But get where I'm going with that. And then investing is just the same way. I I like to stay around ten to fifteen percent, but Sometimes that number isn't feasible given other goals, so that's where you could use that 20% marker, if you will, and just lump in all of your savings in there as just a guideline to to check and see where you are with your savings. So hopefully, Brandon, that give you a little bit of, of guidance. Again, just make sure that whatever number you choose, you're balancing it out with your other financial obligations so you aren't just literally heavy on the housing expenses and that you do have room in your budget for your other goals and the other stuff that I know you want to do. There is a lot more we need to talk about, so let's jump back into the conversation. Mm. And yeah, in that example that you just gave, uh, you know the woman could be vastly underpaid for her position and the man could be i'm just making up scenarios here so don't hold me to this but the man could be vastly overpaid or rightly paid or or vice versa it could be any combination of scenario but what you're illustrating is just in that bias that showed up how she was responding to each person could have a great impact not just on right now in their career how much money they make but that definitely trickles down to your your future, how much wealth you can build, how well you can take care of your family. I mean, it when you start thinking about the impact, financially speaking, that could I, be
2: huge. It is huge. It is huge. In fact, the forget the exact stat, but it's something like the, a 1% difference in income over time when you um, add in inflation and when you look at the, the races and the things that you get and compound it, the difference... Between the two over time is huge. So in the beginning you think, oh, 1%, that's nothing. Okay, who cares if a woman is 1% is paid 1% less than a guy? But over time, every time you get a raise, every time you get a bonus based upon that um, initial compensation, right, the gap between the two widen considerably over time. So even a 1% change is huge. Can you imagine what it actually is? What is it, 23% in, in most cases? Yeah. So, and for, for women of color, it's far larger than that. It's like 35%. So that is such a, it's, it's such a skewed and large percentage point that you can't even really wrap your head around it. And so it's easier to just say, oh, that's just fiction. Right. You know, and, yeah. we're, and we're talking about you know the financial impact of inequity. Um, you know, I constantly use the example of Salesforce, right? Who tr- attempted to fix their um, pay equity problem, but at the same time, they have a racial discrimination problem in their company. So th- that's a perfect example of how one you, you can be doing something good in one area and completely messing it up in another.
0: Right. And, and the two things together just almost cancel each other out, right. I would imagine. Right. So there's no headway being
2: made. Yeah. and, and Or the, what happens is, you know, there's headway for a certain sector people because, again, if you're fixing pay equity, great. All of the, you know, let's be real, all the white people is like, great. Oh, well, yeah, we got our pay fixed. We're getting a raise. But then you've got all these people of color who are being discriminated against, right? So they might have their pay uh, like equalized, right? Mm -hmm. But they're not even in the job they're supposed to be in because of discrimination, you see? So it's like, like, yeah, yeah. in the job you're in, that works, but you shouldn't have been in that job in the first place. You should have been in this other job. You never got promoted. You didn't get advanced to where you should have been and where your pay then should have been.
0: Right, wow. (laughs) When you start really peeling the layers back of the onion, uh, it gets, it gets really, uh, I don't know what the right word is scary, interesting. Uh, so if you, let's say you're working for a company and you're listening right now, and maybe you notice in your company there is some bias. What are some of the ways that you can? I don't even know if it's a process of, of rooting it out or, or overcoming those biases. Like, what do you do if you're in that situation?
2: I think the way that we, you know, have to be able to address bias is you've got to be able to um, first identify it. So the book, right, is based upon this framework where we start with awareness. We start with awareness because you have to first know what it is that you're dealing with. You can't address bias if you don't know it's there, and if you don't, if you won't admit that it's there, if you won't look into it. Um, and so, you have to start by admitting that bias is a thing, and that we all have it. And I know that sounds it sounds simple, like oh, okay, sure. But that's the hard part. That's the part people just can't seem to overcome. Uh, because once you acknowledge it and you identify it, then you can interrupt it, right? Then you can, um, you know, when you're making decisions, you can remind yourself that, hey, I am making a decision right now. And that decision needs to be objective. So that means that when two people come into my office and ask me about pay, I need to make sure I'm giving them the same response. Right. So now when it happens, you're like, right, I need to be objective. I need to give them the same response so that those things don't happen. That's how you interrupt it.
0: And conversely, like what if, you're, what if you're that person that's going in to ask about salary and you, you sniff out that there might be some, some differences, are there any good, smart points that you should be making to kind of lay the cards on the table, if you will, that you, you think this is happening and you want a fair, a fair shake on this?
2: Yeah, I mean, if you, if you don't know, right, it's never good to go in and be accusatory so if you want to go in and get information. So what you like, I had somebody email me the other day and said, I feel like I, um, I, I went to my manager, I was expecting a, um, a promotion, I didn't get the promotion. And now I'm really frustrated. And I think it's maybe because of the fact that I'm female and Latina. And I said, yeah, it could be. But you're making assumptions. You don't know. Because what your manager hasn't done is giving you proper feedback. So a lot of times when we go asking these questions, I want a raise. I want, I want, I want. Okay, that's fine. I want a million dollars. But <laughs> I'm going to need some kind of, uh, of explanation for why that should be so, right? So if you're going in and saying, I want, I'm want, i expecting a raise, why are you expecting a raise? What is that based off of? Have you already had a conversation with your manager that lays out what it takes to get the raise, and the answer is usually no. And then what happens is you expect to get the raise and you don't get it, or you expect to get the promotion and you don't get it. And then your manager doesn't even tell you why. So what are you supposed to go back and fix? How could you possibly say that, well, I didn't get the raise because of discrimination, when you don't even know what it would take to get the raise?
0: That's good. I like that. Right. So you, you've gotta do, you got to do some of the legwork, some of the investigative work ahead of time to at least know what are the parameters? Am I fulfilling those parameters before you even get to the bias piece?
2: Right. To and know that
0: for sure, right? Exactly.
2: And and getting a um, buy-in and a, agreement, right? So from, it's like when I used to do career coaching and we would talk about, um, I want X salary and that they say they can't afford it now. Okay, fine. But you want the job. Make sure in your offer letter, it states that, You will be revisiting this conversation about your uh, salary in six months. Get it in writing. What happens is we talk. We love to talk and sit around and chat about these things. That's (laughs) great. But you talk about it with your manager. Your manager says, oh, yeah, in six months we'll discuss it. In four months your manager quits. Right. Now what? You have no recourse. You have nothing in writing anywhere. So the thing is that managers have to do a better job of being uh, transparent about what it takes to get to that next level. And most managers have not been trained properly, have not had professional development experience to know how to even do that. And so they don't want, they've got imposter syndrome in their jobs. And so when you come in and start questioning them, you're telling them that they don't know how to do their job, which is probably accurate and puts them (laughs) on the defensive and now you have a um a situation that is toxic instead of one where people are working
0: together right and i would imagine that scenario probably happens a lot i like can think back of i had one corporate job uh definitely not the corporate type but uh i had one corporate job and i i could see that scenario being played out over and over and over again so i think that's that's amazing amazing seller advice so Obviously the last year has been a crazy year. You you write this book on bias. Tell me a little bit about the story the story of the story, the story of the book. What what made you decide, okay, I've got to write this book. I I've, I've got to write it now. People need to hear this.
2: I think it's really um You know, because as I mentioned before, it's based on, on, on the framework, right, that I use with my team, and we're working with executive teams, people managers, hiring managers, even HR teams, right, to educate them about their practices, their policies, procedures of their workplaces. And the framework starts with awareness, right, which is a state of visibility and insight into the areas that need to be addressed. And I had to write it because I was having so many conversations with clients where they were missing this piece. They were skipping awareness, going straight to action, and just diving in and wanting to do these things that really end up coming off as performative and will have some positive short-term impact, but not long-term sustainability, Um, which is why the framework ends with advocacy, which is a desired state, right? The state of continuous review in order to achieve sustainability. And you can't get there without starting with awareness instead of jumping into action. So I wrote the book really to kind of outline that and give people a framework for um, where to start and how to right. finish. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the finishing part is, is really important. <laughs> right. Well, I think it's, it's, I think I would argue that it's important for anyone to read. Um, I read through it and there's so many different gems in there you know, I was thinking about this last year. I read the book, uh, How to Be Anti-Racist,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and it was eye-opening for me because just like what you were saying where I was like, well, I'm not racist. I don't, you know, I, I, I don't discriminate. And and then when you read the book and it's like, oh, it's actually like how not to be anti-racist, like how to really live this on, on a daily a daily way and how to change behavior and even a lot of these unconscious biases that kind of exist within us. And so I think your book on bias is, is sort of that same uh, or in that same sort of category. It's not just to say, well, I don't have a bias. It's like, how do you actually practically live out an unbiased um, life, whether it's in the workplace or not. And I think that's, what's really important. And you sort of mentioned it, but really important to, to focus on is like, you know, and like you said, it's not that you can ever, I think wholly arrive at that one solid place, but it's a start, right. And I mean, many of us need to at least have that, that start.
2: Yeah, definitely.
0: And what sort of, Have you seen any shifts, I mean, particularly over the last year where a lot of companies have been, or at least from my vantage point, you probably have a different vantage point, but have Mm -hmm. been focusing on, or at least saying that they're focusing on diversity, equity, and inclusion, whether they're doing it or not, I don't really know. But I mean, have you seen anything change? Are we sort of still in the same place that we were before?
2: Gosh, we have seen a lot of up and down, right? Um, a lot of focus, and then it's like, oh, maybe not so much focus. Um, But I think that that coaster has been, it's still all been surface level. We haven't really gotten to the deep work, the important work, the level of introspection that is necessary for this to stick. And it's like everyone wants to remain in comfort. Looking at these tough topics, admitting the truth about the workplace is difficult. And um, because the majority in charge haven't been affected, they haven't had to do anything about it. But with the pandemic highlighting the inequity in the workplace, I think that is what is sparking change. Um, People want to point to George Floyd as the catalyst, and his death was an eye-opening and jarring event. Um, But I think it's the pandemic that has sustained the focus on equity. Um, Because when the inequity was only about Black versus white, nothing changed, right? We talk about it. There's some rumblings. But with the pandemic, it showed that the inequity wasn't only about Black versus white. That it was about essential service workers versus office workers privileged individuals who have access to laptops and high-speed wi-fi and technology and tutors versus the have-nots and a lot of white individuals realized wait we're also classified as the have-nots and they didn't like it so in what the pandemic highlighted was that it's not just about black people being marginalized and, and, and underpaid um, that it was crossing, I think, a lot of intersectionality. And so I think that realization is what has kept the possibility of change uh, open a- a- as an option.
0: Right, because I mean, we've even seen so many companies now, first they were saying, nope, we're going to go back, we're going to be in the office, we're gonna have everybody there, and now we're seeing a lot of shift back to like, well, you know, we could do some work at home, some here, and some are like, mm-hmm. well, you get to p- you get to choose, you get to pick, and I never imagined that we would have a moment in time where global companies would be changing their whole work-life balance, their whole work model. But maybe that's a, a good thing that's come out of this. And, uh I mean, I, I don't know. What do you think? Does that does that put people more on equal footing, or does that still create that that unbiased? Because then we've got, like you're just saying, the high speed internet versus not. People with laptops, people who don't. People have a an office to work in their house, and people who don't. Like, where does that leave us?
2: I think we're always going to find ways to exclude people who are different than us. It is how we are hardwired. It is why I talk about. Interrupting bias because no matter where we are, we could get put on the moon tomorrow and we will find a way to categorize okay, you moon people over here and you non moon (laughs) people over there, right? Like (laughs) that's just what we're going to do. So, being in the workplace or not in the workplace, it's not, it doesn't matter. We really got to focus on how are we treating people. Uh, Because I had someone say to me like, oh, well, do you think that because um, there are more people working from home that there's less discrimination? Because now that I'm on Zoom calls and and people aren't necessarily even logging in and showing their cameras, she said, well, I feel like I'm discriminating less so that there's less bias." And I was like, "That is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard." We 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 discriminate, and we we make assumptions about people based upon their voice, right? Based upon how they sound. Um, we we once we started working from home more frequently in the middle of the pandemic, we started discriminating against people based upon what we could see in their backgrounds. I had people say, "Well, I'm not going to hire this person because they're doing their." Um, interview from their bedroom and they should at least find a quiet, you know, professional space in the middle of a pandemic. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Like you're judging this person in the middle of a pandemic. Like I was like, Oh my God. (laughs) Wow.
0: All right. You're, you're right. You're right. I mean, it's just, it's, it's almost inescapable. Wow. Well, we, we've talked about so much uh, really important topics that we could talk about for hours longer, but I really love to end each episode with something, something actionable. If you, have, if you have a tip, a strategy, a tool, something that you feel like we really need to walk away with, uh, at least thinking about when it comes to unbiased, what would that
2: be? I would say that you, know, you don't have to be the leader of an organization to make a difference. You can have positive impact today, right? Today. Um, You can buy my book today, so that's always great, but (laughs) you can pay attention to the inequities um, that play out all around you and interrupt them. So that means you're about to jump onto a Zoom call later today with people from your office. Do you know all of these individuals? Have you taken time to get to know them? Um, And I think it's important to realize that we've got to start building relationships with our coworkers uh, because we think that coworker is a relationship status and it's not, it's a label. Um, just because we show up to work in the same place every day doesn't make us connected. So, a lot of what we're trying to do has to start with some relationship building, and that means getting to know people who are different than you. It means uh, reaching out and Really taking the time to get to know the different people on your team, new people who've come into the uh, workplace. There are people who got onboarded in the middle of the pandemic who you've never actually met in person. We got to start spending time including people because it's too easy to exclude and go, I've got my little click over here. I've got my people. I don't need to add any more people to it. We got to change that up.
0: Well, you're definitely one relationship that I'm very happy that I have. (laughs) I would love for you to tell everyone listening. I'm sure there are some very eager ears. Where can they go to buy a copy of your book on bias? And if they want to connect with you, how do they find you?
2: So you can definitely find my book on Amazon. But I know some people have issues with Amazon. I get that. Uh, you can find it in Barnes & Noble. You can find it in any of your independent booksellers. I know that some companies have made a point of buying it from black-owned and female-owned independent bookstores, so I definitely co-sign that. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. If you're following me there, I share a ton of resources all the time, so you'll definitely want to follow me on LinkedIn. I'm Stacey Gordon. Um, you can follow Rework Work, which is my company, on all the other platforms, so Instagram, Twitter, on LinkedIn and on Facebook, it's all Rework Work. So you'll find me there. Um, And we're rolling out a whole new course about the why of DEI. So if you're a leader and you're struggling with why this is important for you, you definitely want to sign up at Rework Work for our why of DEI course um, and put that on your professional development list.
0: I think my biggest takeaway is that even when we feel like we don't have a bias, we probably do. And that bias can have a lot of ramifications. I think that's really where I'm left after this conversation. And maybe you've been on the receiving end of a bias and it led to a missed opportunity or a loss of income or even worse. And my hope is that we can work together and, and figure out finally how to change this. And I don't know about you, but I'm just so glad that we have people like Stacy out there doing this good work. So if you enjoyed this episode, share it with friends, family members, anybody who you think needs to embrace this idea of unbiased. And as always, you can head to the show notes for all the links to our episode guests and our sponsors. And hey, be sure to hit that follow or subscribe button so you make sure you never miss a new episode. Hey, you. Yes, you. Before you go, we want to say
1: thanks for listening to this episode of Millennial Money. For all the links, tags,